Welcome to the Calvary Family Ministry Podcast. Our goal is to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Our hope is to support, encourage, and equip both parents and families with practical words and stories from the Bible, but also people in our community as well. Our hope is also that through this podcast, you would feel more connected, not just to Calvary, but to the God of all creation. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us on this podcast as we navigate this new normal of what it looks like to be walking through our stage in life as we are working with our kids in a lot of different ways. Some of us from home, uh, some of us in a hybrid situation, and some of us all all school all the time, uh, kind of as it was before. Uh, Our hope in this podcast is to really equip you all as families with resources to turn to, especially in times like this that are just, um, we're confronted with a lot of uncertainty, things we're not used to and, and things that we've never really had to think about before. And so today uh, I have joining me uh, a couple of people who we believe will really be helpful in uh, having this conversation and really steering us in a direction uh, that I think will help us moving forward. So uh, I'm gonna give them a chance to introduce themselves Stephanie, we'll, we'll start with you, and then Drew, uh, we'll get to hear from you. But just um, if you all could just give us a little bit of background about you, just kind of explain, you know, what is your story up until here we are right now at this podcast? Uh, how would you introduce yourself in that way? Okay. Um, well, I uh, have an education background and master's in reading, and so I taught in public school for seven years. And then when I had my son, I stayed home. And then for the last 14 years, I've been homeschooling him and his two siblings. He is a sophomore returning to Maryland. Today, he is returning to Maryland. (laughs) We'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, And my daughter is a freshman going to California, or no longer going to California. She'll be home virtually. And then my youngest is a a junior now. So that's kind of where I am in the journey. Awesome. Thanks. Drew, what about you? Uh, what's, I am entering my ninth year as a technology education and engineering teacher at Radnor High School. Um, I started out originally as an economics major, switched over to being a business teacher and Ended up getting in the tech world a little bit, teaching a little bit of technology classes, and then have been a high school teacher at Radnor for the last, this my ninth, going into my ninth year, and I've done virtual since mid-March. There we go. Navigating that virtual world as a teacher. It's wild. Yo, I, I bet. The, um, okay, so I'm, I realized that I didn't say who I was, but uh, I'm Jeremiah. I'm one of the pastors at Calvary, but I also uh, was a teacher for 11 years, and do not envy those in the teaching field right now uh, who are having to navigate that virtual world because it was tough enough as it was um, uh, when I was there. But I taught middle and high school math for 11 years. So uh, yeah, that is, man, that's a whole new thing. That's a whole new realm to explore. You know, what's, what's, what's interesting about all this to me is because it's so unfamiliar, I think we really don't know where to turn when we have questions that arise. And generally, that's when we would seek out things to help us. So resources are really born out of, you know, needs. Like, what is it that we need? And uh, I would wonder, 
uh, if you guys could share with us a little bit in terms of the work that you've done, uh, whether through homeschooling with your kids or in at Radnor, where have you seen, where have you seen yourself kind of adjusting in terms of resources? So maybe even Drew speak a little bit to this virtual, this virtual education, like how have you seen yourself make adjustments in that? Um, yeah. yeah. The hardest part for, for me was I teach, so I teach tech, tech ed, but I teach, it's, I teach engineering classes, video production, and uh, computer graphics type courses. All this stuff is all hands-on, project-based, project-oriented, and software necessary classes. And so when mid-March hit and we got sent home, it was like, okay, these kids don't have the software we have in the building at home. And we don't have the capabilities, like my engineering class, for instance, we were in the middle of, we build bridges and we break bridges and test them and analyze them. We were in the middle of doing that and we had to completely stop doing that. It's like, okay, we can't break bridges together now. So it's what do you do? So for me, it was a lot of finding open source softwares that I could use in my video production and graphic design class that are available. Maybe it's available on iOS, Android, and a computer. Um, finding ways that it's something that, okay, maybe I don't have, I don't have a computer in front of it, the same software requirements as everyone else, but I can find some kind of technology where the kids can still get the same learning just through a different um, like pathway. Yeah, that's good. So like kind of differentiate between like uh, accessibility. So yeah, that's, that's good. Exactly. I mean, our thing, so our, we were a one-to-one iPad and just switched over and now we're one-to-one surface goes for the kids. But at the time when we shut down, our seniors were still on iPad. So it was trying to figure out a software that works on an iPad and works on a Surface device was a little bit tricky. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. I can imagine that that's, uh, it's tough navigating that realm. <laughs> oh, man. Um, for you as a teacher, Drew, did you, find, did you find yourself kind of having to like have a pep talk to yourself? Like, I, I wasn't a teacher in March, right? So I was here at Calvary and... So I can't speak to it, but I can imagine things that changed in my teaching career, you know, changed in the middle of the year or whatever. I was like pep talking myself day after day, like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. You know, did you, did you find yourself doing that kind of thing? For sure. Cause the hardest part for me, and I try to tell other people, it's, I don't know what's going on at home with these kids. I don't know if it's, they're, they're the oldest and they're trying to teach their younger siblings how to use technology at the same time. I don't know if mom and dad are frontline workers and they're working or maybe they got sick even. So I don't know, know what's going on at home. So for me, it was, okay, how do I adjust and be flexible with every kid depending on their situation? And so for me, it was a lot of flexibility with the kids, a lot more understanding of, hey, I don't know what's going on at home. It's not like I'm in the classroom where I see them every day and I can talk and have a conversation. It's like, okay, how can I meet their needs and they can still understand they're, they're still going to accomplish the learning and the growth. Cause for me, it's a, and a lot of it came down to just putting in effort. If the kids are showing effort, that's really what I want. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think it's interesting to hear your perspective as the teacher, you know, kind of behind the screen. Cause mm-hmm. I know as a parent with my, with my daughter, we, she was doing stuff online and it was just like, I mean, I really had next to no contact with the teacher. And so I was just like taking what I was given and trying to figure out how do we navigate this? Both my wife and I were, were doing that pretty, pretty frequently, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, it's good to it's good to kind of hear the perspective from you behind the screen, like saying, hey, this is how I'm navigating it and working through that. Stephanie, in your case, you were the teacher right there with them, but you're also their mom. And so how did you how have you found yourself kind of navigating that realm of do you is, do you kind of switch on and off? Like is there one continuous Stephanie, or you know what I'm saying? Like, what 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 did that look like for you? Um, well, at, at first, it was a pretty easy switch for us because nothing really changed, and my husband's job was essential, so he kept going to work. Um, the only big change was obviously my son coming home, so that was kind of navigating that. I think it is important. Uh, I don't always do this well to kind of have like off hours. Like, mom is off now. And like the teacher is off and now it's mom because I have other things to do. And if you were in school, your teacher wouldn't, I always joke in my house, teacher wouldn't be in your back pocket to pull her out, you know? So um, I think that's important to kind of just set this is school time and now we're done. And this is, you know, they can still work on stuff. They can still work on stuff. They're older now. So they work a lot independently when they were younger. This is my time, you know, you can ask questions up till now and then we're going to take a break. So that's kind of how we would do it. And we had a, a schedule, like there was a school time during the day. Did you get that schedule from somewhere? Was that something that you kind of, you kind of like trial by error, figured it out? Uh, where, did, where did that schedule come from? Um, I, I do use a one resource pretty, um, that really was influential when I started, which was The Well-Trained Mind. It's a book by Susan Wise Bauer. She has an article in there on homeschooling and scheduling, but there are a lot of resources. If you just even Google that, you know, homeschool schedules, you'll find a lot of blogs and that that will give you actually schedules made up to kind of give you an idea because it's very different when you're doing a K2 schedule as opposed to, you know, older kids. And by the time they're in high school, a lot of their classes, if they're taking advanced courses, are online. So that's kind of dictated already for you what their schedule will be. Um, another good resource, whether you're doing virtual or homeschooling, would be the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. They have all kinds of resources that you can go there and get information for how to, like, um, your child's learning style, things like that, and how to schedule and things as well. So those were two that were helpful for me. Yeah, that's, it's really, I think it's really helpful to hear that because I, I would imagine that parents in particular who've kind of been thrown into this role, perhaps not, well, by choice kind of, but really out of, it's really not by choice. <laughs> um, <it's, laughs> that makes yeah. a big difference because there are days when you've made that choice and you wish you hadn't made that choice. So I can't imagine um, being thrown into it and not even having to say, um, and yeah, not even have a chance to kind of put your head around it. And then the rest of your world is falling apart too on top of it. It would be very chaotic. Right. <laughs> Trying not only to navigate, how do I teach my children, but how do I maintain my, my person, my personhood in the midst of all these, you know, like, yeah. I'm the adult here. How do I maintain my adulthood and all that kind of stuff and, and really, yeah, get ready for that too. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. This is something that I'm curious about, Stephanie, and um, mm -hmm. I felt it a little bit with our oldest at home in these past few months. We think of like our, our children who maybe have 
trouble listening on occasion. I don't know. For some people, that feels like always. Um, <laughs> for some people, it's like, oh, they always listen. They always do. Did you, did you have some sort of like system that you used in when it came to that? Did you like have some sort of, uh, I say discipline matrix because I was in education, but did you have kind of like, hey, when this happens, then this, this is what we do? Or did it, was it kind of just pretty normal? I mean, obviously my kids had the advantage of they started out that way. So they didn't, I, I'll just be honest, you know, that would make a huge difference having taught in a public school and knowing what they're used to and then having them just always start kindergarten like that. They don't necessarily know different. Um, but that doesn't mean we didn't have tears and bad days and bad mommy moments. So um, we would some, I had the privilege of having a space that I can have. So like we had basement space and that was school space and that was separate. And that was as much for them as it was for me. So I didn't have to see it. Not everybody has that luxury, I realized. So sometimes we would just take a time out. Like, it's time to go. You know what? We're done. We've got tears. Somebody's upset. I'm going to lose it. I was just like, take a break. Um, we also had, you know, if you have access, I realize parks aren't necessarily, but, you know, in your backyard, if they can just get on a trampoline or swing or something, just get outside. That was a nice way to take a break. Another thing is, if you know you're going to have a difficulty, start with the subject that's the most frustrating to them first thing in the morning, like the one they really don't want to do. Do that first, get it done with, and then give them time to do it, you know, in whatever order they want the other subjects. Um, that kind of helps that. And then I think lastly is to take back and take a big picture, like in the grand scope of life did this make a difference whether I really knew this? Some things in reality, it really doesn't matter if I know all of the presidents in order or know them, period. You know, I can still be a productive member of society. So sometimes it was just take a, a step back and really what is the most important thing here, the relationship with my child or that he knows the material. Yeah, that's, man, that's really good. I would do this in my class sometimes not we wouldn't go outside but we would I would have the kids stand up and just like take a break especially when the day like when the class had just gotten off on a, and, and we're talking eighth graders right seventh eighth graders I didn't feel bad about doing that I, I would say all right stand up shake it out and when you sit down we're gonna go at this again like get some get some energy out whatever's going on get that out and uh, then we'll, we'll we'll take a stab at this again so I like that idea Drew you know in thinking from you being kind of the teacher behind the screen there right and thinking in terms of like managing work, I remember helping Surrey out that basically I was kind of like, man, I don't really know what you want as a teacher. This might be super particular to you, but I would imagine it's pretty true of teachers across the board. How can we as parents be helpful to you as the teacher kind of behind the screen, right? So if yeah. my student's not, like, how do I check their work? What's, what have you found is beneficial? What do you need those students who are struggling to, to do? I mean, for me, it started with me as a teacher when I would post assignments. So when we went online, all of my work essentially, I became asynchronous. So I would post assignments on Monday and I had them do on Friday. And I have office hours throughout the week, essentially. So if you were struggling with a certain part of the assignment, come on to the office hours and I can sit there and walk you through it. I can, you can share your screen. I can share my screen and we can work through the problem. 
So that was my, my first thing. But when I posted the assignment always, I would post a video of me sharing my screen, walking them through exactly what I would want. Now, if kids still struggled, my thing was, and I always tell my kids from the get-go, when we're in person or online, reach out to me. Come ask questions to me. Put yourself out there. And I think some kids actually saw when they went online, they were more open to doing that because they weren't doing it in front of all their classmates. They were doing it between me and the, and the, and the students. So it wasn't as much like embarrassment and asking questions in front of their friends. Um, as a parent, the number one thing is just stay in communication with your teacher about expectations and assignments and everything that, they, that their student needs to do for that assignment or that week. For me, when I'm trying to plan what I'm going to look like this fall, it's like, okay, if I'm online, I feel like part of my obligation will be to not only keep my students informed, but to keep the parents informed of what they should expect to see their student doing that week. Because sometimes some of my assignments being tech ed, it doesn't look like reading a book, writing a paper, or doing a math problem. It might look like for a video class going outside and you're filming something or taking a picture of something. So that actually might be schoolwork. Um, the and hopefully the parents understand that. So it might look like a, a weekly email to the parents being, hey, here's what this week looks like for your student. Don't be surprised if they're doing X, Y, and Z. It's not... They're not weird. They're not doing anything strange. It's part of the class, actually. So as long as the parents keep informed with the, with the teacher through email or any whatever kind of school messaging system they have, um, that's the number one thing. Interestingly, I would, I would wonder if that's something that we as parents would forget because we're now participating in our kids' education, at least mm -hmm. you know, from March on. We were participating it, in it in a different way in a more intense way. And so we're almost kind of like, well, I feel like, do I really need to contact the teacher now? It feels like I've been walking through, but it's like, no, actually yeah. to make it effective for everyone. It is, I think it is helpful to have that reminder of like, Hey, reach out to your teacher like they're, And you said it earlier, Drew, like they're just as much in the dark in a lot of ways as we are and trying to yeah. navigate how to do this effectively. It, it helps to know, feedback it helps to hear oh you know this wasn't clear or something like that and honestly it, it makes less work for you as the parent if you're the parent and you're trying to help your kid and tend to try to teach your kid's assignment if you don't really know what's going on but the teacher reach out to the teacher they'll explain to you and make it much easier for you to explain to your student and and you know teachers Jeremiah the good teachers they want to see your your student your son or daughter be successful that's what they want so anything they can do to help them succeed and to make your job easier at home, they're going to help out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, I would tell parents all the time because teaching seventh and eighth grade was really, that's like those years of transitioning your, your child to really being as much independent as they can be. The more you continue acting like they're in second grade, the more exhausted you'll be, the more frustrated they will be at you, and the worse in general this is going to go. Mm -hmm. So it feels difficult to let it go and to let them do their thing. We don't do it without parameters and expectations, but yeah, like contacting the teacher is good to get an idea of how you can help your child operate independently. This is, this is the time, especially if you are a parent of older kids, like they need to be independent. They need to be the ones who are walking through this process because 
this stuff doesn't stick if they don't. It really just doesn't stick in the long run, which is what we want. So in kind of in, in wrapping up here, um, I know, uh, Stephanie, you've mentioned some of these and, and Drew, we've kind of heard a little bit from this, uh, from your perspective as well, but do you guys have just some particular resources, just some reminders of like, hey, these would be great to look into, um, you know, wherever you are, some, some resources that could be helpful for parents and maybe those resources are actually people. So uh, what, what would those look like for you guys? I mean, there were things like, I had friends that homeschooled, so I basically started having conversations with them when I was, you know, um, at home. And, you know, when somebody starts recommending the same book, gets recommended by three people, you, all right, maybe I'll look at that. Um, so that was The Well-Trained Mind. And the other book was something called, it, the title is So You're Thinking About Homeschooling, which gave 15 very different examples of what homeschooling can look like. And I think that's, uh, was like, wow, it's not what I might have thought. There's like all different kinds of ways to do this. Um, those were two very helpful. And then just through the years, like we've been a part of co-ops and different things where, you know, people get together and teach classes together. Or my other major was English. So I have a friend whose other major was, she was a science teacher. So when my kids hit physics and chemistry and you know, biology in high school, they got together with a bunch of their friends every week and taught kind of like Drew would do all the assignment was done on Monday, and then they had the rest of the week. So you definitely reach out to the people in your community that are doing the same thing. And then if you're just looking for resources, as far as if you have to purchase materials, uh, there's three sites of Rainbow Resource, Christian Book Distributors, and um, Kathy Duffy are all really good resources if you're like, I have decided to homeschool, but I don't know where, what kind of curriculum or what to choose. They give you lots of options there. Awesome. Thanks. Drew, uh, what about you, man? When I was doing my education courses, one of the best things one of my professors said was the best teachers aren't necessarily the best teachers because they're the most creative. It's because they know how to beg, they know how to borrow, and they know how to steal. Don't reinvent the wheel. A lot of stuff that the kids are probably going to be doing at home, whether it's physics, chemistry, it's been done before. And I do it for a lot of my teaching when I teach like Photoshop or um, Premiere video editing software. The kids wanna, those programs are so advanced, I don't necessarily know every single tool they wanna use or every single thing they wanna do, but I guarantee someone on YouTube has a tutorial out there how to do it. Don't be ashamed to go on YouTube and look up something to help your, help your student out or don't, they shouldn't feel bad they're going to YouTube to try to hear how to do something. That's, it's completely normal. And the way our world and our education system is moving, it's honestly a good way to learn that skill is to follow a tutorial, follow something step by step, because that's a skill that's really useful in life. So don't be afraid to do that. And like Stephanie said, talk to people in your community. You need, if you're going to be online or fully virtual or homeschooled, you need the interaction still with people. So calling friends and having maybe small study groups or having a, even just doing a Zoom with just your classmates or maybe it's a, a Zoom with a, someone you know in your community that's a teacher as well. There are other ways you can get that in-person educational experience if you are online and virtual. And don't be afraid to, to seek those outlets. That's really good. I think um, you both are kind of 
touching on this idea that we are not in the realm and most of, most of us are not in the realm of quantum physics, reach out to people who are in the realm of quantum physics. Do not reinvent the wheel and try and pretend like, you know, this stuff. It's okay. You, you were not expected to, that is not what this was. Uh, we're just expected to walk our kids through this in the best way that we can. Um, and just, you know, one day at a time, sometimes one hour, one 10 minute session at a time until we arrive at the end uh, and hopefully better connected to our kids, which I think could be really cool. Drew, Stephanie, this has been really helpful just to, to hear from you all. For me, very encouraging as a parent and hopefully uh, for the parents listening, just in encouraging that, you know, there are, there are tons of options. There are resources that exist. It probably will take some finding and some looking, uh, but that's worthwhile work because as we said, it, it lessens the work later and helps our kids to, to be independent. So thanks for taking the time to, to spend it with us and to, and to share uh, some of your, your guys' stories and suggestions. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to listen to our podcast. If you'd like to get connected, there are a couple ways you can do that. There's a Facebook group, Calvary Families, which we'd love for you to join, or you can send us an email. Our email address is family at calvary-church.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, they got it, hey. 